welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program at the Healing Words Foundation, 501c3, founded by Dr. Rick Holm. So yes, I am filling in today as our Prairie Doc Radio host. Uh, I'm a family physician with Avera Medical Group in Brookings, and I am enjoying being part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605 692 1430. That's 605-692-1430. And with me today in studios, Dr. Kelly Evans. Dr. Evans' specialty is internal medicine, and she works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings as well, and volunteers as one of the regular Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Evans. Good morning, Jill. Good to see you in the studio. Yes, this is always <laughs> a good good place it's, yeah so it's kind of nice to be in this seat where I'm asking the questions instead of answering them yeah the <laughs> nice nice change of pace right very good change so <laughs> the prairie doc uh, topic this week is hepatitis cirrhosis and the health of your liver yeah so I don't know that we've ever done an actual liver show um th- I, I would have to look back and see if Dr. Holm ever hosted a show solely about the liver. So I'm excited. Yes. We have a couple of um, hepatologists. So these are people who specialize in only liver disease, including transplant of the liver um, as guests. So it's kind of, you know, it's a more narrow topic, but it's certainly something that most people have know somebody who's experienced liver disease. So I think, I think it'll be a great show. Definitely. So um, if you want to just give a, a brief update or kind of uh, rundown, what exactly does the liver do? Yeah, so the, the liver does a lot of things. It's important for a lot of physiology. It's not something that, you know, the average person spends time thinking about uh, in a lot of cases. But liver serves a lot of functions when it comes to metabolism of various things that put go through our gut. Um, so the liver... You know, one of its main purposes is to secrete bile, and bile is something that we use to digest fats and and other food sources. Um, But also it metabolizes chemicals, drugs. Um, It's obviously important when it comes to things like um, alcohol and and other other, uh, prescription medications and, and things like that. So, you know, it's interesting. As, as physicians, I think we find liver disease a lot when we're not looking for it, right? You know, mm-hmm. we, we find this incidentally a lot. People don't typically come in with complaints of liver disease. That's right. something usually we find when people are not having symptoms. So we find it based on lab tests that we do, maybe for other reasons. We find it when we do a, you know, a CAT scan of the belly looking for other problems and we see fatty infiltration of a liver would be a really common way that we sort of are introduced to patients having liver disease. And this doesn't necessarily cause people a lot of symptoms or problems. The issue is that if those things progress and people do develop cirrhosis or what we maybe used to call end-stage liver disease, it can cause a lot of problems, including, I mean, it's it's important enough that people can spend a lot of time in the hospital very sick and certainly die from cirrhosis. So um, it's an important organ, but it's not necessarily at the forefront of our mind all the time. Definitely. It is one of those uh, things that we always find. And then at the bottom of the CT scan report, there's all these big words about mm-hmm. the liver, and, and people always have a lot of questions yeah. about that. So, mm-hmm. yes, excellent. Well, we'll be going to our first break here shortly. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. So call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. 
We will return following this informative message from Avera Medical Group. If you have diabetes, these lifestyle changes can help lower your risk for heart disease. Follow a healthy diet. Eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, lean protein, and whole grain. Aim for a healthy weight. If you're overweight, even losing a modest amount of weight can lower your triglycerides and blood sugar. Get physical activity. Try to get at least 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity physical activity, such as brisk walking. Manage your ABCs. A, your A1C test. B, keep your blood pressure below 140 over 90. And C, control your cholesterol levels. S stands for stop smoking or don't start. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Call your provider with questions or to set up an appointment, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Dr. Jill Cruz with Dr. Kelly Evans, and we're here to discuss your medical questions. So give us a call at 605-692-1430. So we're talking about the liver today, Mm -hmm. and I know one of the big things that has come out recently is talking about the importance of screening for uh, hepatitis, especially in the baby boomer yeah. population. So you want to talk about those yeah. recent recommendations that yeah. came out? Yeah, so that's, um, there's a current, you know, the one of the task forces that gives a lot of our screening recommendations. This came out maybe five, six, seven years ago that they started recommending screening for hepatitis C in people born between 1945 and 1965. So that baby boomer cohort. Um, And the the reasons for this is basically that we find that that group of people has higher rates of hepatitis C compared to the rest of the population for reasons that we don't fully understand. I mean, this is, you know, the classic risk factors for hepatitis C include things like IV drug use. And we find we find the thing is we find Hep C in people who don't have history of that in the baby boomer cohort. Right, and and there was also mm-hmm. a time where we weren't screening blood products. Exactly. For this, so. so you know Hep C as a is, it's a virus that lives in the bloodstream in the liver for many years, and it wasn't the virus itself wasn't discovered till the early 1980s, and even then we didn't have good ways to test for it for several years after. So the theory is that there was probably some way that that was being spread undetected back when the baby boomers were young Um, and maybe that had to do with blood products but maybe it also had to do just with things that we use as far as medical devices or things that that could have spread small amounts of viral particles from the blood Um, so I mean the thing about it it's a simple blood test so you know this isn't something that's when we talk about screening isn't always a real easy decision sometimes Mm -hmm. there's a lot of complexity that goes into thinking about screening depending on what the test or the procedure might be. Hep C screening is a blood test looking for an antibody to hepatitis C. And it's a one-time recommendation. So it's not like we would screen every year. So, you know, if you're born in that cohort and have never been screened for hepatitis C, it's a very reasonable thing, I think, to do. If it's negative, then you're done and you don't have to probably think about it again unless you have some exposure or concern in the future. Um, The thing also to know, however, is if it's positive, it does not necessarily mean you have hepatitis C. So hep C is, it's an interesting virus. So hep C, natural history, if it infects 100 people, about 30% of those people or 30 of the 100 will clear the hepatitis C on their own. 
So even if you truly have a positive antibody to hepatitis C, there's a chance that you're not carrying the virus. Um, so if you have a positive antibody, there's more testing to be done. We actually look for the genetic material of the virus itself thereafter. Um, but the, the antibody test is the first thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's much easier to talk people into a hepatitis C screen than a colonoscopy right. or something a little it's bit more It's pretty invasive, simple stuff, so. especially if you're going to get blood drawn anyways for other reasons. So. Yeah. So yeah. it's a very easy thing. Um, and then the other things uh, talking about, there's different types of hepatitis. So hepatitis A, B, C. C and D. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so hep C is what we're talking about as far as this sort of common chronic hepatitis that occurs um, that we screen for. Um, hepatitis A is a different, you know, th these are all viruses that attack the liver to some degree. So they're named hepatitis, but they're like, otherwise hep A and hep C are totally unrelated. You know, they're not close, even close as far as their genetic material um, or type of virus that they are. Hepatitis A is a common thing that people might get when traveling right. um, and it causes kind of a diarrheal illness. Sometimes it can cause um, uh, more severe hepatitis and jaundice, but usually it self-resolves. Like unless mm -hmm. you're pretty, have some chronic issues, most people get through that easy. Yep. And that one does mm -hmm. have a vaccine. Yeah, it, that we've been giving children as an as an optional vaccine yeah. when they're and we coming. give to travelers. And so travelers, if you're traveling yep. to an endemic area, usually you'll have a Hep A vaccine recommended. So I know mm -hmm. I've had it before yeah. I traveled to Haiti when I was in medical school. Yep. Yeah, I got it before mm -hmm. I did a rotation on the Navajo reservation in, yeah. in residency. So mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it was definitely endemic areas. And I always tell people if you're going to go out to eat somewhere, <laughs> right. At some point in your life, having a hepatitis A vaccine is not a bad idea because it is transmitted fecal oral yep. instead of blood. So yep. who, if you don't know the person in the kitchen is washing their hands after they uh, went to the bathroom, which you can't guarantee when you go out to eat at any restaurant. Fair enough. Um, I always say <laughs> if you're going to eat out, you are potentially at risk for contracting it. Um, yeah. So like you said, mild illness, but we can prevent it yeah. with a very easy yep. shot. Yeah. So. Hepatitis B is kind of a different animal. Mm -hmm. um, so Hep B can cause both acute hepatitis, and this can cause more severe illness. I've had patients hospitalized with acute hepatitis B. It can cause fulminant liver failure rarely. Mm -hmm. It's not common, but it but it does happen. And Hep B can also cause chronic infection. And and yeah. so Hep B, you know, the the way that some people may encounter being tested for Hep B is that you know if you, for example, have an autoimmune disease and you may be put on a biologic drug, we always test people for hepatitis B before doing that because mm -hmm. if we suppress the immune system and, and then people can have resurgence of chronic hepatitis B, it can be pretty dangerous. Um, but we have vaccine for that too. Yep. And a lot of people have been vaccinated for this series of hepatitis B in this day and age, either because they're in healthcare or have another reason to, or we're doing mm -hmm. it in most kiddos now, right? I mm -hmm. mean, that's, I, I don't see kiddos. Don't so see you have kid. to forgive yep. me and, 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 and defer those questions to Dr. back to Dr. Cruz. Yes. So yeah, de and definitely. And that's a vaccine is a series of three yep. shots. Mm -hmm. So, and like I said, most of us had to get it going into medical school and prove immunity to it as yep. well. Yep. Yep. So um, a, a preventable disease, but certainly something that can cause more severe illness. And then hep C different. I mean, it's, it's indolent for a long time in most mm -hmm. people. So people who have hepatitis C, most of them, if, if you don't test for it, you wouldn't know it for years and may not have actual liver problems for decades. But it's one of the most common reasons for cirrhosis mm -hmm. in the U.S. and the developed world and a very common reason for liver transplant. Right. Mm -hmm. And can lead to cancer at some point. Yeah. So yep. that's the other thing. I always remember C for cancer. 
Yep, yep. So. And so even compared to other reasons for liver disease, hepatitis C greatly increases the risk of um, hep, um, hepato <laughs> cell, hepatic cell carcinoma, HCC. Yep. Yeah. All right. And then you mentioned hep hepatitis D and there's even an E virus. Those are generally more endemic in other parts of the world, I think, of Southeast Asia. Um, and so we don't see them very much in the U.S., but, you know, could, could be things to consider when traveling. Also fecal oral. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. So. Again, you know, the vaccines, the more we can prevent these from becoming issues, mm -hmm. the the better that would be for everyone involved. Yeah. So. And I, I when I talk about hep C and screening, I like to touch on the fact that we the, the there's a really good reason to screen now, you know, mm -hmm. be, and that reason is that we have great treatments. Right. So even as of five to 10 years ago, our treatments were for hep C were not hundred percent effective or even close and they were really toxic i mean we made people feel like they had influenza for mm -hmm. months on end with the treatments that we had treatments now are really tolerable and highly effective so it's good to know if you have it yes definitely mm -hmm. and you don't want to wait until it gets to the point where you're having jaundice and you're right. you're yellow your abdomen's all right. bloated you've got all this fluid in the abdomen yeah. i mean we can find it and catch it and treat it way before it yeah. gets to that it's a, it's a curable disease and it's something that we can prevent problems from if we find it so good reasons to be screened for that yes all right well we need to take our next break here thank you so much for listening to prairie doc radio on kbrk and on our podcast Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. Our programs are available on Apple Podcasts. Just look for Prairie Doc when, wherever you get your podcasts. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Did you know that breast cancer death rates have declined 40%? from 1989 to 2016 among women. The progress is attributed to the improvement in early detection. Breast cancer is most common in women, but can also be found in men. Anyone who notices changes in the breasts, such as skin texture, tenderness, lumps, or discharge, should be examined by their provider. Women are encouraged to have a mammogram every one to two years, starting at age 40. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Please talk with your provider about your breast health and other health concerns by calling the Avera Medical Group Brookings at 605-697-9500. And welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Thanks for listening in. We did have a caller come in with a question and said, how does the body being continually bombarded by uh, environmental toxins and, and things from the outdoors and all of that affect the liver. Um, and does the liver kind of dispose of these toxins? Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I guess I'm not sure exactly what toxins the caller might be considering, Jill. Mm -hmm. um, when I think of the liver and what it tends to detoxify, it has mostly to do with things that we take in orally. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how the bloodstream works. The things that go into your intestine um, are absorbed into the intestinal bloodstream. And the first place those things go is the liver. So definitely there are some things that, that we ingest that the liver helps us take care of. Um, but, you know, the, and the, the, I, don't, I can't think of something that the liver plays a big role in as far as things that we breathe in through the air 
off the top of my head. No, I can't. Yeah. I can't think of anything either. You mm -hmm. know, your body, your lungs are really good at, at filtering out things. Your liver is very good at, at filtering out what comes in through the bloodstream. We always mm -hmm. talk about what the first pass effect. So basically stuff coming, being absorbed from the stomach and intestines goes to the liver, mm -hmm. kind of gets cleared, stuff gets filtered out. A lot right. of medications get going from a pro drug to being broken down right. so they actually become active after yep. going through the liver. So, yeah. you know, your liver does a really good job of of cleaning stuff up. Yeah. So, yep. Excellent. Good. So, another question. Um, they asked if you've had the hepatitis, um, actually, I'm assuming they're meaning B series of right. three shots because there's not a vaccine against C yet. Right. Um, do you need to have a booster shot again? Because mm -hmm. theirs was 15, 20 years ago for travel. Yeah. So as a general rule for travel, it probably wouldn't be recommended. But I would say that with a caveat. So there are some people that if they get the hepatitis B series, we actually test their bloodstream later on to see if they continue to make the antibody appropriate. That's because not everybody holds on to that immunity for a long time. So that would be true in healthcare workers for sure. Um, to, and and some, some types of patients as well that we might actually test the blood to see if they kept the hepatitis B antibody. If the answer is no, then we do revaccinate those people. Um, and so I, a good example, in addition to sort of healthcare workers as patients with HIV, sometimes right. we'll retest those folks because we definitely don't want people to get hepatitis B if they have all their... Um, um, immune suppressing conditions. For travel, I don't know that that would be a recommendation across the board to check for an antibody though. Not that I'm aware of. Most, the vast majority of people, if you have a healthy immune system, you, sh you should continue to have immunity to hepatitis B, even if it was 15 to 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, well, I would say the other main question that I get from patients is usually after I've done a CT scan, mm -hmm. you're, we're, we're looking for something else. We're looking at their gallbladder. We're, we're looking for some cause of abdominal pain and they find fatty liver changes and, yeah. and they get very concerned about what does that mean? What can I do about it? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, yeah. Cause that is, I, it so does. It happens it all the time. All the time. All the time. And it, it's, this is one of those areas where as a primary care doctor, it's hard to strike a balance. You want patients to be very engaged and understand their studies, but sometimes you just curse the fatty liver description, right? Because <laughs> it is, it's, it's sometimes not always, it's not always meaningful. So, yeah. so what we see is that there's fatty infiltration into the liver that occurs physiologically very commonly in people who have obesity or, or are overweight. And certainly people who have other metabolic disorders like diabetes, um, hyperlipidemia, high cholesterol, those kinds of things. Um, fatty liver disease, very common. It can progress, you know, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is a cause that of cirrhosis. So this, this, it does happen. What it means when, when I counsel patients on this, what it means to me is that we should follow lab work probably at least annually. You could consider doing follow-up imaging and maybe mm -hmm. you make that decision based on other factors in, in regards to the patient's health and everything and, and what the first incidental CT showed, but you could consider that. I, d I don't refer all of those patients to hepatology. I mean, that's a, it's a, like I said, a yeah. large number of patients that we would find that in. Um, but it's, it's worthy of noting in the chart and having a mm -hmm. plan to sort of follow and make sure there isn't evidence of progression over the years. Right. Mm -hmm. So I definitely, it, it is probably the most common finding that I see as an incidental finding, yeah. something that was on the CT scan that we weren't looking for or expecting. Yep. And um, I know a lot of people just want it gone and they right. want it to go away and 
and you know aside from working on diet exercise you know yep. changing lifestyle unfortunately the american diet is just kind of primed to give us yeah these changes in the liver and certainly that's exactly sort of you know patient if patients ask what can i do it really is working on that whole lifestyle as far as um minimizing body weight and minimizing metabolic problems all in all otherwise there's not you know there's not a medicine that we can give to reverse fatty liver disease etc and again the vast majority of people won't ever have a symptom or a problem from it but there is a small number that can have progressive liver disease Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah definitely so yes and the other finding that we get a lot of times are like cysts on the liver and most of the times those cysts are fairly harmless or Mm -hmm. just kind of fluid filled little pockets that are hanging out in the liver yep Um, Yeah, so cysts and masses in the liver, yeah, that's another common thing that we might find on a scan that we aren't looking for. It depends a lot on the characteristics, and that means both the size, but also just how the mass looks on on a CAT scan or an ultrasound, whether we worry at all about it or not. Sometimes they look like cysts, and cysts are by definition a benign thing, and if, if they're not enormous you don't need to do any more. Sometimes it's more, it, it's not clear whether it's a cyst or a, or a different type of mass. And so sometimes if you have a cat, maybe you had a cat scan because of some other reason, you're having pain in a different part of your belly, but you find something on the liver. There are times that we have to do a different type of cat scan or an ultrasound to better characterize that mass just to make sure it's not something that is concerning. But there are a lot of masses that grow on the liver including cysts that are benign so mm-hmm. yep so a lot of them non-cancerous nothing yep. to to be worried about just know that they're there if you're mm-hmm. not having any symptoms but if there's anything we're concerned about that's where our wonderful colleagues our hepatologists come in mm-hmm. and they can decide does it need to have a biopsy does yeah. you know do they need to put a needle in there and try yeah. to draw some of that fluid out or some of those tissue yeah. cells out to see what exactly is yeah. that and then come up with a plan of what yeah. we're going to do about it and luckily, liver masses in particular are are pretty, most of them are pretty easy to differentiate with radiology. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of situations in which we can do a special type of CAT scan, and the radiologist can tell us with pretty high degree of certainty what type of mass it is, and we don't have to do anything invasive. invasive yeah. Which is wonderful. Yes. Unlike, <laughs> like with lungs, you know. Yeah, some other some types other of masses, masses are harder to differentiate. Harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of going on in this little organ. That, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's an amazing little organ that, that actually, and do you want to kind of explain to people where is our yeah, liver exactly? Yeah, so the, the liver sits in the right upper part of the abdomen, kind of right under those bottom ribs. So in a, in a healthy patient, if, if I have them lying on, on the bed, I have to push kind of hard in most people to be able to feel the edge of the liver. If you have an enlarged liver, it's easier to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is right there at the very top of the abdomen. If it's a normal size, you kind of got to gotta push or, or do some maneuvers to, to feel it well. Mm-hmm. It, the, the organ that lies right near it is the gallbladder. So the gallbladder is something people are pretty familiar with because most of us either have or know somebody who's had their gallbladder taken out because of problems. When the liver makes bile, the gallbladder acts as a storage unit. So it secretes it, the gallbladder stores it. In normal physiology, the gallbladder then kind of has a a nice store of bile. And when you eat a fatty meal, it can secrete it into the intestine and everything functions just lovely. But the gallbladder can cause problems if that bile forms stones and then that can plug up the little duct or the little tube that the gallbladder needs to use. And then people get pain and people can get very ill from that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, most people are more familiar 
familiar probably with, with the gallbladder and the liver. Yep, yeah. it's kind of that unsung hero <laughs> of the body, though. But yes, those gallstones, I always tell people it, they can make almost like a ball valve. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that gallbladder contracts, and if it pushes a stone against that opening where mm-hmm. it's that duct where it's supposed to be emptying that bile, that's when you end up getting the pain because it's right. trying to get out so badly yep. and it, it can't, and you get that back pressure and that pain. Yeah. So. Yep. As a general rule, like many organs in the belly and the body, if if that organ is trying to contract and it can't empty where it needs to empty, it causes that visceral pain. Yep, Yep. definitely. All right. Well, it's time for our final break already. This is going by so fast. We thank you so much for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. We will return following this informative message from Avera Medical Group. It's time to get your flu shot. The influenza virus is a seasonal illness that changes every year. That is why the CDC recommends a new flu shot each year for everyone over six months of age. Now is the time to get your 2020 vaccine. It is especially important to receive the vaccine this year while we are in the midst of the COVID pandemic. The flu vaccine, along with good hand washing, mask use, and social distance, will help you from getting and spreading influenza and COVID. Vaccines are available at your provider's office as well as many area pharmacies. Please make it a priority to get your flu shot soon. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. And welcome back. We just have a few minutes here, so... I thought this would be a good time just to kind of give an update on the COVID vaccine, yeah. where we're at, who are we vaccinating now, yeah. and kind of what's the, the future and the plan. Yeah, so I mean, as always with this, it's sort of week to week. It depends on our supply. It's, you know, I think it's different in, in Brookings County than in other counties even. But in Brookings County, we started vaccinating some patients last week. And I don't know if my heart has swelled so much as when I saw, you know, a group of our over 90-year-old patients waiting to get their first COVID vaccine. It just, it really feels good after the year that we've had to see patients get vaccinated. Um, So generally speaking, we're kind of inching our way from the oldest patients down to that 65 and over group. It's a lot of people in Brookings Mm -hmm. County and in South Dakota. It's a high percentage of our population that's over 65. So it's going to take us some time. We hope that we're going to start getting more vaccines every week. And I think we have good reason to be hopeful about that. It, we just don't exactly know how quickly that's going to pick up and what, what it's going to look like. So we're still at the Avera Medical Group. We're getting phone calls to patients as they sort of reach that top of the list. And again, we started with everybody over 90. And I think we're inching down into patients in their 80s this week. We're also reaching out to patients who are immunosuppressed. So we have a system in place that people are getting phone calls. There's a question on if if supply picked up really fast, you know, if Brookings County suddenly got a thousand or more vaccines in a week, we may put on a bigger vaccination event. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, I'm mostly just I'm ecstatic at the enthusiasm with which our patients are calling in, asking when they're going to be able to get vaccinated, because I feel like across the board, our patients in Brookings and in South Dakota are ready to get vaccinated. And I couldn't be happier about that. I I feel the exact same Mm -hmm. way. And I would say from personal experience, you know, I have gotten both. Yep doses of the vaccine i didn't have any issues aside from a little sore arm it wasn't any worse than a flu shot for me yeah do you have a similar well so and i would say people can expect to have a little bit of side effect i Mm -hmm. had a sore arm with the first shot the second shot i had a sore arm and then about 
for the next day, day and a half, I was just very fatigued. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, suddenly I felt much better. And honestly, I was happy to know that my immune system was doing something. Yeah, yeah. I, I always tell patients <laughs> that, especially when I'm doing childhood shots, if your child has a low grade 99 fever yep. or they're a little cranky or fussy, that tells me their body saw the vaccine, their immune system is responding yeah. and doing exactly what it yeah. should. So reasonable to expect to not feel the best for a day or two, but across the board, we haven't seen much last longer than that no. and severe side effects are exceedingly mm -hmm. rare yep. where we've now vaccinated millions and millions of people in the u.s and really have not seen much concerning data about that yep. excellent all right well before we go please be sure to tune in to south dakota public broadcasting television and the prairie doc facebook page for on call with the prairie doc most thursdays starting at 7 p.m central time this thursday january 28th prairie doc host dr kelly evans will discuss hepatitis cirrhosis and the health of your liver with guest dr nazia quasi mm -hmm. <laughs> with the Vera medical group liver disease in sioux falls and dr avash kalra from denver colorado yeah so stay tuned in for that tomorrow evening at 7 p.m on south dakota public television we hope you've enjoyed our prairie doc radio program today and we'll listen again for prairie doc on kbrk brought to you by the avera medical group brookings Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcasts. My thanks so much for Dr. Evans for joining us today and as our mentor and uh, good friend Dr. Rick Holm would always say, stay healthy out there people. Thanks for being with me and hosting today, Jill. Yes, this was fun.